as an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Wayne Kubiak, current co-owner and artist at Neon Deity. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Wayne. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice uh, Sunday day. It's nice outside. And I don't know. I'm just feeling and, good. And the world, you can just see slowly, bit by bit, the world is just slowly starting to come together again, bit by bit by bit. Oh, yeah. It, it feels good. It feels like there's like a light at the end of the tunnel from this last like hellacious year or so. Have you adapted to doing everything remotely like this? Um, I've actually been working remote for, I don't know, three years, something like that. Oh, this so th- is, this this is nothing kind to of, you. Yeah, it's kind of normal to me. Um, I, I actually miss most, like, going outside and doing things. I, I'm a big food person, so yeah, going okay. out to restaurants and stuff like that, like, I miss that a lot. Does it have any bearing on, on your work kind of cycle at all to not be, like, I mean, did you ever have to go and touch base with people face to face or anything like that? That that's just been taken away from you, or has it um, pretty much been a hundred percent remote? And so this has meant nothing for your actual work output. Uh, it, it's kind of like it tangentially bothered me. Just like conventions and stuff are all gone oh, yeah, and done, and and like not only is that a lot of like connection with people, but connection with you know friends and co-workers and all that kind of stuff so uh, you lose out on a lot of that sort of thing yeah no that's fair uh, I, I can sympathize with that i mean i'm a teacher by profession so it was a bit weird getting knocked out of circulation for a while thankfully here in in australia uh the the lockdowns haven't been severe the numbers haven't been severe my state was probably the worst hit for maybe two months and then oh wow and then uh I mean, there there were live football games on the weekend with half full capacity. Like, it blows my mind that there's tens of thousands of people going to football games this week, uh, this past weekend. So, given wow, that, where we were twelve months ago, that that just feels crazy to me in general. Like, I, I'm I almost feel not ready. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a weird. So, I'm eyeing off going to my first game in in a couple of weeks from now, and I I don't know how I'm gonna be feeling as I walk up to it, knowing okay, like. They're still socially like you'll you'll buy tickets in in your groups of whether you're with your family or your friends or whatever, and then there'll be a, a bit of social distance around you. But it, I, I don't know where my head's going to be at as I'm walking up there, and there's thousands of other people congregating in the same place that I am. It, it it won't feel right, even though my state's had zero cases now for a month or two. Um, it'll feel a little bit unusual. It's a weird world kind of that we're going to be stepping back into. Yeah, I think over time it's like, give me a little bit of like agoraphobia. Yeah. Yeah, and this is you all just feel like uncomfortable with other people being around and stuff like that. And even with vaccinations, it's still going to feel weird. Like how, I mean, I'm not some anti-vaxxer or anything like that, but it's still, you know, there's a trust thing that you have to place in something that's just been pumped into your body and like, can you 100% trust it? Who knows? 
Yeah, I mean, like, it's not even 100% that it always works either, so. Yeah. But, but it, it's just like with any vaccination, you know. Yeah. Flu vaccinations and all that we have every year, and things mutate and get strange. And and let's just hope everything continues on the up as it's been, because uh, this, this, uh, this is an interesting start. And we're going to get to your career, because this is Dev Diary, <laughs> a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, uh, and the journey that has led to this current point. So we'll move on from all things COVID and we'll we'll focus on uh, your journey into games. So before we focus on your actual career and the, the many games and accomplishments uh, along the way, I'd like to rewind to pre-career and some of the games that you played beforehand. Do you remember what your very first game was? Um, it, It's kind of nebulous what my first, first game was, but there's a, like, a, like a few specific memories that stick out in my mind. Uh, when I was really young, my uh my neighbors would come over and babysit me because they were a little bit older and you know obviously your parents go out and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah they had i want to say it was a maybe a commodore 64 oh yeah okay good starting point and every now and then they'd bring it over and we'd sit around and play video games and one of the first things i remember is playing uh gauntlet oh nice very good starting point. Yeah. And then, um, like, real early Atari 2600 stuff, uh, we always had one in the house at some point. I, I don't know if my parents owned it before yeah. I existed or or whatnot. But I remember playing, like, Vanguard on there. It's a old SNK game. Yes. Yeah, I know the one. And uh, how did your taste start to develop as you grew up? Did you attach yourself to any genres franchises any particular games that really grabbed you honestly i've kind of bounced around a whole lot uh i've never been like super into sports games minus some like weird tangential ones like base wars and stuff like that oh yeah okay those weird kind of video game sport hybrids yeah yeah but i guess like the more like arcadey sense in those sort of games have always been fun to me but uh other than that i i I bounce to whatever just feels good at the moment and what games are just like, just hit my radar for one reason or another. Uh, when I was younger, I played a lot of like adventure kind of games, things like Zelda and uh, yeah. Blaster Master sticks out real uh, well to me. And then, um, you know, like still like arcadey experiences at that point. Um things like phoenix and your like galaga's and stuff like that and um i'm a real big bubble bobble fan actually oh that's excellent though that's awesome that's actually my only tattoo on this show oh really yeah as it i'm kind of quiet here but maybe you can see it yeah i can see i mean audio listeners it's it's an impressively large tattoo right on the shoulder so um who knows? You might you might see that in a Twitter post or something at some point in the future. Yeah, I've taken if, a few pictures of it here and there. It's it's an impressive tattoo. So so go go t- uh, diving. You'll find Wayne's uh, bubble bottle, bubble tattoo. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, and seriously, quite tempting now that I see one like that. Oh, hang on, that could work. At some point, I probably want to add like a full like game sleeve. I oh, yeah, okay. wanted. Just like, I don't know, a little bit of history of, you know, what I like and, you know, what has brought me here 
as we're talking about this right now let's lean into that so what are what are you know the hypothetical sleeve what what else would you could you see going on there you've obviously referenced zelda you've referenced blaster master are there would, would those make the cut today if you were if you were to do that tattoo or um yeah what actually, else would you see popping um, up there uh, one thing i always wanted was the ending of blaster master where uh jason's sitting on like the cliff with the uh, the tank and yeah his frog well i guess depending on what version you play but well yeah i suppose but that whole like yeah. i don't know sitting over the mountain looking at the you know crumbling castle trope that every good game seems to have and i don't know i'll probably put it in a game at some point <laughs> it's only a matter of time just just got to find the right context and right scenario right game yeah exactly you know you, stuff like that um I, I don't know i i wouldn't mind dipping a little bit more into like indie stuff uh uh i wouldn't mind having like some cave story uh i feel like rpg influences at least more recently um i don't know if you've ever played off no i haven't actually um it's i don't know i i guess it's in the vein of kind of games like uh undertale and stuff like that omori okay oh yeah I've, i mean omori's one that i've that i've spent a bit of time playing in the last few months i was a i was a kickstarter backer of that one so it was, yeah, that me was too. nice to finally get my hands on it as well so oh there we go look at that bonding over how long that been in kick uh, in gestation for at least three four, four maybe even five years yeah something like that because it was like right around the time when undertale came out i'm pretty sure yeah sounds about right i think so do you uh, is there a point or a game or anything like that that you maybe attribute as being responsible for your journey into game development was there was there a pivotal point or maybe like a game that you played or something like that that steered you towards well maybe i want to get into making games myself um i've actually always wanted to make games Uh, ever since i was a kid uh somewhere around here i uh what i want to say it was probably four or five years ago um yeah i moved out of my like family home and when I was moving, I found like a bunch of old drawings when I was like a young, young kid. And there were literally sketches of game levels that I wanted to make. Oh, very nice. And like I, I the, still have the them around here somewhere. He's, he, on a bit of A4 paper, he's, you know, an, a little map, a room design and plotting yeah, out. That I want to say stuff. it was like kind of like Contra inspired at that point. Oh, okay. I don't know if I was playing like Contra or Super C or Contra 3. I, I I don't know remember exactly which point of my life I was at. I think I was I was discussing this in a recent episode. Um for me like I, I would design Zelda dungeons. Mm-hmm. For some reason the the rooms were always kind of square or rectangular. So there was clearly a total lack of originality there in in some of my thinking, but uh um yeah for some reason it was always Zelda dungeons and trying to create the different hazards and pathways and those sorts of things so i think especially when you're a kid you kind of attach to one game or another that really is just like striking your interest at the moment and i I think that it certainly felt feasible to be able to make a dungeon in zelda as opposed to a i don't know a 60 hour final fantasy rpg that i also would have spent a lot of time playing as a kid Uh, same actually uh probably around like the 16-bit era like i got real hard into rpgs and basically like all the the super nintendo greats and all that and so that was that was kind of where i was uh 
brought up on what I was brought up on. So Final Fantasy VI, Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, um, a lot of those legendary sort of games these days. Um, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you and I were coming up on the similar sorts of titles, which is well speaks well for both of us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we keep going uh, good company, you know. Yeah, exactly. So as we start to drift towards your career in games. Um, I was doing a little bit of digging through LinkedIn and through your Twitter and a few other bits and pieces. Um, and I noticed that before we actually got to game creation, there was a stint in web design. Was that, did your interest shift in that direction specifically for, for a while? Or was it simply a case of, I need a job and I can do this? And like, was, was the plan always in the back of the mind games at that stage? Or had it, had it kind of fallen off the radar for a while in terms of um, creation, I should say? Actually, like, I I was pushing myself towards game creation. Um, I started going to college for, uh, like, programming and stuff like that. And at the same time, I kind of picked up Adobe Photoshop and taught myself web design around, like, the my ending of, like, high school years. Yeah. And I kind of accidentally ended up in a, a web design gig and also probably flunked out of college and all right okay so web design just be kind of came my thing and i did that for i don't know probably like 10 plus years at this point oh wow okay i i had a few little credits there but i certainly i certainly didn't have it over a 10 year stretch so there might be a few that are you were doing on the side or something like that as well but um did you at any point i mean obviously you did make the transition into games eventually but uh, between those two, those web design stints, there was a graphic design stage there as well. Had you considered at some point that games were just not going to work? Or was there always the intent that at some point, whether it's I'll have the right idea or I'll find the right people or, or some, I'll just force it upon myself that one day I'm going to get into games? Uh, funny enough, I gave it up. Like I didn't think I was ever going to work in games. Uh, the, the web design thing was working really well for me and it, it kind of landed back in my lap um so, so how did that happen going back a little bit more um I, I was also doing a lot of like heavy metal bands and stuff I, i've been a vocalist for a really long time and we, we played with like a lot of localish bands in uh, buffalo new york and one of those bands was a band called Arm Cannon. They do a lot of like video game covers and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And not thinking anything about it. Like, you know, we, we just played shows together and stuff and here and there. And then fast forward maybe, I don't know, five or so years past that. Uh, give me a second for my brain to click back oh, in right. here. Um, I, I was actually writing about indie games. Um, I, I ended up in independent games writing and just oh, nice. like in the process of that, I was doing like headers for our websites and stuff like that. And a couple of things were pixel art based and it turns out my f friend Dan Barons from Arm Cannon and also now at this point, uh, Danimal Cannon, he does like chip tunes and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. He was like... So go check that one out, listeners. Heck yeah. My uh, 
he's like my friend uh is making a game and he like desperately needs art do you want to like talk to him or whatever and i went to one of their shows and i met up with uh garrett who's now one of my business partners and programmer in uh for neon deity games and we started doing game jams and i don't know just accidentally fell into games so what I did notice is there was, and it probably makes a bit of sense given what you've just described, there was a period there where you'd already started Neon Deity and that was starting to progress, but you also were still juggling some of the graphic design work on the side. Was was there a point where you realised, okay, I now need to make this, or what was that point where you realised I need to make that 100% leap now into, into games exclusively? Um, it, it was right before we released our first game, Shoot Jamie. Um, right around that time, I, I also put in for a gig making, um, games with a company, company called Nicholas. And cause like one of my friends was like, Hey, you should put in for this, you know, maybe work on something cool. And right about that time I started working on the Binding of Isaac. Oh, Yes. And that was like actually like bringing in decent money, and right around that time, the the design gig that I was working was kind of like fading off. They had changed management and kind of like sold the company, and the yeah, new okay. people were not great. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of done here with this, and this game thing is starting to work out. So why not go for it? They gave you the perfect opportunity to walk away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess like, though, there's always that concern that I guess people have when they're ready to pivot into any career, like, you know, step away from one kind of pathway and pursue another is, okay, I need to still be able to live off this. So I assume the, uh, on the financial side, I mean, you obviously just mentioned you were making a little bit from the Binding of Isaac. You were, you were comfortable at that point to be able to make that, make that jump and take that risk? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess at that point I had a pretty low cost of living too. Yeah, okay, that helps. And, and even past that, uh, I, I always seem to, I don't know, be able to find gigs here and there. Just like adding little bits of money and, I don't know, bouncing from project to project. And, and like, I, I think coming off of doing like design stuff, I, I was always kind of good at that. Just always seeming to find work somewhere. Even when like, you know, sometimes things are are a little lower, a little better or you know, you get a little overwhelmed, but like something always seems to come up or I'll always seem to be able to reach out to enough people that I can land another gig or just That's keep myself going. That's handy, but also I'd say really reflective of the quality of your work as well. Yeah. And this is me obviously speaking to someone on the outside looking in there, but I mean, your work's exceptional. So it, it, I think that that helps. I mean, obviously to be, to be fantastic at what you do because then when you do need to reach out people are going to go oh yeah of course you know we'll, we'll take Wayne Wayne you know Wayne's work is XYZ and they'll already have, have their pre-established uh, thoughts because they've they've seen Shoot Shimi or work on Biting of Isaac or the many other titles that I've got listed here including um, Reap What You Sow Wayne's Super Butt Runner Cave Story Plus there's uh, both Hybroxia games there's Freedom Finger Junk Puncher and there's a whole bunch of others as well um, as I was as I was trawling through your your uh, Tumblr yesterday, compiling everything, 
Um, what's it been like moving from game to game to game like that? Because I'd imagine, sure, people are probably looking to work with you because they like your work, but I'd imagine stylistically everyone has just slightly differing sort of expectations, what they're kind of looking for for their game. How do you go when, when you're kind of rapidly moving from titles and pro- I'm guessing maybe in some cases you were even juggling multiple titles at the same time. Um, how do you, in your mind, kind of pivot from the needs of this to the needs of this to like uh, constantly adjusting to the needs of the project? Um, for me, I have to like hyper-focus on one thing at a time. I can't bounce per se from like one thing to the next like within a few minutes Usually yeah. I'll take a like an entire day and I'll be like I'm working on this thing. And does that ever does that ever cause any any issues timeline wise with people when you know suddenly they need something and we need it now or very soon? Uh, I, I think it's more problems for me than it is t- problems for like other people's timelines. Yep, at least for the most part, just because like I have to like essentially like rewire my brain to work on a certain project or like aim towards a certain sort of design. No, that's, no, that, that's fair enough too. I mean, not that I'm in a creative field in that same way, but I certainly need to kind of, I get into a space and I need to exist in that space. And if I'm getting kind of getting pulled away, it just, it lessens the quality of what I'm doing. So uh, I can really appreciate the need to, to kind of stay immersed for whether it's a day or longer whatever it ends up being um, just to ensure that the, the project or the, the, the work I'm doing is of a certain quality. I can really appreciate the fact that you're quite, a, uh, quite similar in that respect. Yeah. Like uh, you, you kind of need that reset more than yeah. anything. You, you just get that, that mindset. So you're working on this particular style or this sort of animation or, or like in some cases, uh, I was bouncing back and forth doing like a level design work when I was working on freedom finger. And so if we re- rewind, so obviously there was a uh, shoot Shimi and what, what was, I mean, I, I first remember when I, when I saw the game pop up on my radar, what was that like for you as, as a, a full proper game was that, that you were working on was starting to come together. Uh, it, it, it's actually like, it all feels very surreal. A, a, anytime I release a game for that matter, like, it it almost feels like I didn't do this, even though I've I don't know I've obviously been working on it for a long time or you know putting out products and whatnot. Yeah, you've got all this evidence of the work you did on it, but you still feel a bit detached from it in that respect. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Like, it, it even seeing people play games that I have made, it just like it blows my mind even still. So do do you ever topple down say YouTube well and see someone? playing i don't know if we think of something more recent like a hybroxia 2 for example that you worked on does that kind of i don't know is there almost like an imposter syndrome that kind of comes with that as you as you watch the video and you go that's my work that's my work and do you start getting overly critical or or try and poke holes in it or are you able to kick back and kind of enjoy and consume it um actually it's kind of a little bit of everything it, it i'll always be critical of my own work there's always things you'll notice you're like oh i could have done that better i could have fixed that or but it's, sometimes that's just a a product of you only have so much time and yeah. so much effort and eventually you have to put something out 
So, like, no matter what, there's always going to be little holes or little things that you wish you would have done better or anything like that. But no, that's, uh, that's fair enough. At the same time, it's nice to see someone actually like enjoying something that you've put all this work into. I think that's that's what I like most about doing like game conventions and stuff like that too. Because not only do you have like a closer connection with people, you can see everyone's like expression and like natural feelings of like they're actually enjoying this versus they're just kind of like you know doing it for whatever reason yeah that, that's fair enough um I, i've had a lot of people that have mentioned that yeah going to paxes or something like that for example uh some of the best things they can do within their particular discipline of uh, of game creation for the reasons that you just outlined there kind of uh seeing how people react to it that's even something that i i find myself doing uh, admittedly it's it's been a while now since i've been able to go to a pax thanks to COVID, but uh, yeah. we won't we won't cycle all the way back into that again. It's blowing my mind that PAX Australia is actually locked in a date for this year and they're saying it's going to happen. I've, I refuse to believe it at this point, but um, I'll believe it when I'm there. But they even kind of on my side of it, which is, you know, games media and criticisms and critiques and those sorts of things, I, I'd go and play a game and, and maybe I'd enjoy it, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I'd be somewhere in the middle. But I didn't really feel solid in my thoughts until I then stood there. I played it myself and then I would stand back and watch someone else play it. And whether that person was another games media person or whether it was just some random consumer, I'd kind of stand back and watch it and just see if, and try and connect a few dots and see, see what they were making of it and as well. So collecting that feedback from others seems really valuable because you, you can kind of get very super immersed in what you're doing and struggle to see the, the forest from the trees sometimes. Oh, for sure. Especially making games, you tend to... I, I guess you miss... Ooh, um, <laughs> you, you tend to miss uh, a lot of the... I, I guess, like, difficulty cues and just little things that you will never expect someone to do and have a problem with. And they're things that really only are highlighted when they're there playing it and you're able to watch on. Yeah, exactly. There'll so, always be that one, like, someone steps in a place that you're like, I would never do that. Why Why would anyone do that? Why, why is are you there doing a hole this? here? Yeah, and things get exposed, I guess. That, that's the perk of essentially that kind of, oh, would you call it free testing in some ways? Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of like it goes both ways like you get a benefit and they get a benefit because like they get to know if they like a game or if it's something they'll be excited about and they've never seen before or they've been excited about and want to try it. Yeah. And then plus you get the benefit of, you know, obviously getting a little bit of testing or just like. I don't know, you get that energy from people. Like, we were just talking about, uh, I've never ever left a convention that I'm not excited to go back and make more games. Oh, that's that's really awesome to hear. Because, um, I, I mean, I guess that's reflective of the fact that then every experience has been really positive and that people have really enjoyed the games. And again, I, I rattled off a really impressive list of titles before. So it doesn't at all surprise me that uh, your experiences have been overwhelmingly positive. But... uh that's awesome to hear. I, I 
can't say like every experience is positive. Like not everyone, every game is for every person. Not everyone. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I make more, you know, like retro inspired stuff. Like a uh, pixel art has kind of come out of that sort of a limitation, but at the same time, it's kind of become its own thing over the yeah. years. But a lot of people still see that as being like archaic. That's right. They'll 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 wake up and join join us in the light sometime soon. I'm sure. <laughs> it's fine, eh? but it is. It's a horses for courses. It's you know art is subjective. There's all those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. And like I don't know, not everyone's gonna have a good time with it. And some people will see something and be like, "Well, this is terrible." But like even in that, it's it's good to see people on the other end because you're seeing what you could have done better, or like give you an idea of how you can push towards a larger audience, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, sometimes that that negative feedback or that that constructive criticism's more valuable than hearing someone say I liked it because oh. X, Y, and Z. Sometimes it's the it's the other stuff that actually is the most helpful. Hundred uh, percent. One of my friends at one point told me the best thing you can ever do for someone you know and care about is to give them real constructive criticism, and not just to like, I don't know, fluff them up essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because again, you can kind of lose sight of strengths and weaknesses and those sorts of things without receiving that sort of feedback. So it's it's really really valuable. Um, I wanted to pick your ba- brain about Binding of Isaac and how that opportunity first emerged, because ultimately you were still fairly fresh in the in the industry at that point. Um, you you didn't have a, a huge bank of uh, of projects and evidence behind you at that stage, and yet you managed to work on one of the I think it's fair to say one of the biggest indie games of all time. Uh, how did how did it work out that you got to work on Binding of Isaac? Um. I- a lot of just Twitter Twitter interaction more than anything. Oh, nice. Um, at some point, uh, Tyrone of Nicholas was just posting out looking for artists to add to the uh, the team, I guess. And uh, one of my friends essentially like tweeted it at me and was like, hey, why not put in for this? And I was like, okay, why not? And I put in something and didn't hear back for like, it was like two weeks or something. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm super new at this. I'm not anything crazy. And then one day I heard back from Tyrone and we started talking and I did like a a quick art test for him and then just started working on it. it. It's all still kind of like, I don't know, weird and surreal. Like I was saying before it's there's people that have put more time into playing that game that I put into working on that game. Yeah, that's, that's fair. There's some people that are super deep, super, super deep into that game. So yeah, I can appreciate that. One thing that you just said there that kind of pricks my interest. Now I've heard about various tests and bits and pieces in, in the process of people applying for, for games jobs over the journey, whether it's, I've heard about writing, I've heard about programming. I haven't really heard about what an art test, uh, you know, or in that respect, kind of, looks like when you when you're looking to get into a gig now i'm sure that's different from studio to studio and no one scenario is kind of the same but what does that kind of entail because i think the the art more than more than most aspects of game design is as we discussed before very very subjective and can look different from person to person so what did that sort of process look like or what has that process looked like in other experiences as well 
Um, for the most part, like the the general idea of it is you want to hire somebody that can make, you know, what sort of product you want or a product that works alongside of your particular style. So basically you get like a like a prompt, like you a list of one or two things that they want you to do within a certain period of time, more or less like you would, uh, you know, do like on a regular day to day basis kind of thing. Yeah. And then you create said thing and send it over and they're like either like, oh, this looks great. This works for us or it's not really the kind of style that we're looking for and and then you okay so on. it still does boil down to that syncing up i guess between both parties and whether whether your approach to to the art kind of marries up with their vision i guess yeah yeah and like not necessarily sometimes of the quality but just whether whether the two parties kind of gel yeah yeah and like even myself that there are certain styles that just don't work for me there are certain things that I don't know, like, uh, there's that, like, I'm trying to think of the name, uh, Kingdom, I think it's called? Oh, yeah, uh, like Kingdom Two Crowns and the like? Yeah, yeah, um, that, that sort of stuff, it just, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, uh, I'm more like, I don't know, thick lines, cartoony styles, versus that, like, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to describe it. But I, I don't know, that that sort of style just doesn't work for me. I'll have to now that now that we've discussed this after we've done recording, I'm going to have to look at some screenshots and some video from Kingdom, and then I'll compare it to some of yours and just try and get myself in the headspace a little bit and see if I can kind of compare and contrast a little bit easier with with that sort of perspective in mind. Or like, um, what's the other one? Uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. Oh yeah, okay. That like that, that sort of style, where everything's like I don't know, it's like detailed, but it's like really low res. Yeah, I follow. Yeah, yeah, I follow. I'm, st- I'm starting to kind of imagine that a bit better. I guess maybe I can visu- uh, visualize uh, Sword and Sorcery a little bit better than maybe Kingdom. But I-, I see, I see what you're going for though, and it's really interesting to kind of learn about that uh, that process again, that, those tests because they are they are kind of a, a rarely discussed sort of component of the industry, at least in terms of uh, for consumers. So yeah, thanks yeah. for sharing that little bit of insight there. Of course. So I mentioned a whole host of other titles there before. Uh, Star Mazer, for example, which is one I want to pick your brain about just as a as a person who was... Uh, I, I backed that at one point, and then that's kind of been uh, lost in the wilderness, I think, for a while. What, what, what was that like working on that for a few months? Um, That was kind of like a, a quick and dirty project, more or less. Uh, they were just looking for some help to get out their... I want to say it was a PAX build... Yeah, okay. Just like some extra animations and stuff like that. And uh, I knew the the Star Mazer folks from doing like conventions and stuff before. Just kind of meeting people on the grapevine. And actually, like a lot of my work comes that way. Just you meet people and you you become friends or whatever. And later on, you end up working with them or I don't know. Everyone raises up together and. And your paths kind of collide again. Yeah, it's a a really cool part of the especially the indie scene yeah yeah exactly and like yeah i remember don was one of the very first people i ever interviewed as i was just learning to kind of do that side of media stuff so he was really fantastic gave me a ton of time the the project is 
yeah, it's kind of been lost in the wild for a little while there. So I hope they, I hope they find a way out and can kind of bring but, it all together. Last I heard that like it was still in progress, but like it, it's bounced around a lot of people, and uh, I think it's changed art directors a couple times. I know um, Maximo Lorenzo was working on it for a little while. Um, trying to, I, I don't know who's working on it currently. Yeah, the game's still trying to find its voice, I guess. Yeah. And like uh, really, really long projects in general, like it's hard to get anyone to like super commit in that sort of a way, especially when you're mainly working with contractors. Like it, even myself, I, like I only have so much time, and you can only take on so much work at one point. That's fair enough. So as we continue to move through the list, uh, another one that really does stick out, uh, and you actually referenced the game early on in the episode, was uh, Cave Story. You got to work on Cave Story Plus. What was that experience like? Again, uh, a fairly acclaimed title there. Um, For that, like, it was a lot of very, like, minor things, kind of in between projects. Um, I, I do a lot of work over at Nicholas. Uh, it's, like, more or less my day job at this point. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of projects that, like, might not ever see the light of day, and maybe they will. So, like, there's That's a it. lot of, like, just, like, little things I'll add or... or um, I'll be sitting there doing one project and Tyrone will come over and be like, Hey, I need, you know, a couple of these animations or a little, you know, changes or fixes for this kind of thing. And then I'll add little pieces to that. And, and then there I am, which the, the cave story stuff is really weird for me. Cause like that, that was like one of the very first indie games I ever played. And then you got to work on it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, it feels so weird to me. Does it take us back to that kind of imposter syndrome thing that we were talking about before? Like, oh, really? Can I try to trying to break down that wall to actually do the work that's required? Oh, hundred percent. And like, it, sometimes like it, the imposter syndrome's really bad, and like, it makes it hard to work on certain things. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I think over time it's gotten a little better for me, but like, it, especially at first, like. I've had days where I'm like, I don't know if I can actually pull this off, essentially. And how do you try and push through those internal barriers that start to appear? Or does it just feel completely overwhelming at times? Um, I mean, most of the time it feels pretty overwhelming. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, usually like, I try and do something else for a little while. Uh, or I'll like, go take a walk or... Just get your I, head I, out like... of the game. Yeah, yeah. I like being outside a lot, so like the fresh air and stuff like helps me reset a little bit. No, that's fair. It does a world of good for a lot of people in a lot of different fields, so uh, art for games be absolutely no different in that respect. Have there been any real highlight titles from over the journey, some that really stick out for not necessarily just the, the, the quality of the final product or the acclaim that it's received, but just for your involvement in it and what that process was like? Have there, have there been any real highlights over the journey? particular titles um I, I mean like every little project like there's things that i appreciate about it and there's things that i really enjoy doing um uh, a lot of like the game jam things yeah that i've done are I, I mean they're obviously super small projects and you know most of them are you know a couple days long essentially or like a week long maybe yeah but like a lot of that is just having fun and goofing off 
And that sort of stuff always, like, I don't know, it sticks out to me in one way or another. No, that's, that, that's fantastic. A lot of that kind of stuff, like, it's almost a refresher between doing bigger, longer projects. Like, the, the longer things go, the, I don't know, you get a little burnt out on doing one thing or another. And you need and that like, change of pace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's with any job, though. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, and again, something I really appreciate with my, my profession is just the, the need to get out or just work with a different group at different times. So I can appreciate I, that entirely. And I think the other thing with that, like uh, working on Freedom Finger was like super refreshing for me. Oh, yeah. Just because uh, normally I'm mostly the art end of things and Freedom Finger, I was mostly level design. And like, I, I don't get to dip into that as much as I would like to. And because like the game design and level design stuff, like that, like fuels me. The creating like my own projects versus working on other people's projects. The creating each of the like the mechanics and figuring out like best practices and ways to do things yep. and you know what I think the player would enjoy or not enjoy. Like that that stuff is really really exciting to me. And something that you're looking to engage with more, I'm presuming? Oh, always. Uh, kind of, like I said before, uh, doing our own games and stuff like that. Like, that always is, like, the most fun for me. Yeah, it's fair. Focusing on that art side, as opposed to the design, because uh, you've, you've explored quite a few different kind of, I guess visual styles uh, over the journey. They're, I mean, you've got a very pixel-based focus. You've done a fair bit of work with some voxel-based stuff as well. There's some of the animation there. What, and I guess this is kind of going back to sort of conversation we had earlier on, but what, what is it like trying to bounce from those those different kind of styles and presumably like design philosophies that kind of change as you're going from maybe a more pixel-based design to something more voxel-based or, or if you're mo- mostly focusing on animation as opposed to the actual art in that same respect what is that like for you um partially it, it's i try to like push myself with every new project like one thing or another thing and it, it it often depends on what the project is and like what i need to do within that project but like getting myself in the mindset for like like a heavy animation or something I, i'll get get it in my head that's I want to really push this sort of thing and really kind of focus on making that one thing stand out, at, at least like compared to other projects or or just like increasing my repertoire in that way. That makes sense. Like um, I, I always want to do the best I can and if I can teach myself one little new thing or a couple new things with each project, then I feel like I've grown a little bit more. Like you never want to stagnate in any sort of like tech field in general, but like, I always want to grow. I don't want to feel like I've ever just like hit a plateau and I don't know, I can't go any higher. Well, I mean, I'd argue with some of your more recent projects of the likes of junk puncher and law finder and Herboxia two with Barry, um, that, you, as far as I'm concerned, you, you're definitely not plateauing in any way, shape, or form, and and those experiences and those sorts of uh, games that you're creating are still quite diverse in 
in terms of the way they look and the way they feel and the way they play. So it seems to me, again, me just being on the outside, it seems like there's no stagnating going on here at all. Um, what's it been best. like working on those? <laughs> what's it been like working on those more recent projects? Um, the the last like year or so has been wild. Like, I feel like I've gone in like really hard sprints to like almost doing nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I actually dealt with quite a bit of like physical burnout. Uh, I've been having problems with my wrist and stuff. Oh, okay. And, so like I have to make sure I take better breaks and like actually take care of myself. I guess uh you know as you get older your body is not as happy with you know just going all day every day. Well we were talking before the record like I can certainly appreciate that cuz we were talking before the recording about the fact that it's uh it was 5am for me when we got started there and I just real as as that alarm went off and I somehow managed to slide out of bed without waking up wife and daughter. Um I just got up and oh jeez I can't do I can't do more of this my body's body's not geared for this anymore Get, getting yeah. up at those sort of times so I, I can appreciate those on sort of grander scales as well and like even like start to sleeping to is you used to oh sorry oh just as you start to struggle to do the things that you used to do so easily yeah exactly I was gonna say even sleeping like my body just wants to sleep a certain amount of time and if I don't get that much amount of time like towards the end of the day i'm just done like my brain checks out and i remember like i don't, don't know blame. but even when i first started making games staying up till like 4 a.m doing game jams or whatnot and just feeling fresh as day and now i'm just like oh, i'm getting old <laughs> and you just appreciate things just going that little bit slower yeah exactly just to let, let the body catch up and keep up uh, keep up with what's going on so we've we've mentioned a lot of different games and working with a lot of different people. As a result, you've gotten to work with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and ranging skill sets and different disciplines and the like. That must be incredibly valuable for you. Is there anyone that you've worked with along the way that is, I guess, more on that, that art side, but it can be broader than that as well, that has uh, been really, really fantastic to work with in that respect? Uh, honestly, like, for the most part, I... I love working with pretty much everyone um it's it's really interesting to work with so many different people from so many different backgrounds and like even like kind of like we were saying before you you meet people doing conventions and stuff and you're like oh i would you know love to work with this person in the future there's something exciting about getting a little piece of everyone and like i could say like as you start every project, you're like, oh, I love working with this person. And then you start another project, you're like, oh, I love working with this person. And, you know, so on and so forth. And so that'd be really energizing, I'd imagine. Oh, for sure. And, like, even working with old friends that you've worked with for forever. Like, you, you get little new pieces with each project or, you know, you... you I, I think well, I in general... When, when they've... When they've- grown like since you last worked them when they've grown and you've grown in the in the meantime as well coming back and kind of sharing what you've learned I, I guess would be would be really fun and enjoyable and valuable yeah yeah for sure and i think uh i don't know is games in general the most exciting thing to me is seeing everyone's perspectives coming together and creating something unique from somewhere that you've never seen before. And I think as 
kind of the ease of use and technology has grown and software has grown. It's awesome to be able to see projects coming out of like countries that you've never seen made games before. And and I think that stuff is like absolutely invaluable because you're, you've seen, you know, we've seen all the games come out of Japan and America and stuff for ages and ages. But, you know, as you're starting to see, you know, other developing countries and stuff being able to create their experiences and stuff like that. It's, it's just like, it's such a unique and fresh feeling. Yeah. Certainly one to that point, one region of the world, I guess we've seen seeing a little bit more of in recent uh, months and years has been some of the Southeast Asian countries. There's been some really, really cool titles coming out of there that I'm sure we've been, they've been making fantastic games for years, but for whatever reason, they just weren't getting the, the spotlight they perhaps deserved or or just weren't being noticed by the right people and so they'd kind of remain obscure but now we see the likes of Raji uh, that's appeared and there's uh, other games that are heavily influenced by that part of the world as well that are starting to pop up it's it's been really good to see yeah a lot of stuff coming out of like uh, South America too yeah there's like some amazing amazing artists coming out of there and it just like it blows my mind what's this whole other part of the world with a whole host of other influences that are now contributing on a on a far greater scale than ever before and i'd imagine just looking on and i'm sure you draw lots of inspiration from lots of different people in their work and seeing a whole new group of people appear and emerge and and start to express themselves in their way would also provide a whole host more inspiration for you oh yeah 100 percent. i i don't like I don't ever stop getting influences from places. Uh, I, I dig a lot into the weird and the obscure and the old and like, I, I just, I revel in that kind of stuff. And, and I, I think to some extent I always kind of have, I, I just, I don't know. I like things off the beaten path, like the yeah. the mainstream of things, like they've already kind of proven themselves in that way. And I feel like after a while it becomes like almost a little samey as much as, you know, there's, you know, innovation and, you know, like the mainstream or AAA fields and stuff like that. There's a lot of like, kind of like playing it safe in a way. No, I don't say that. Um, Or it just starts to get that kind of similar feel because of everyone drawing on similar sorts of influences, I guess. Yeah, and, like, uh, to some extent, like, I, I understand why, like, people's user experiences, like, y- you kind of hone that down to a fine point, but at, at the same time, you, you end up missing other things. Yeah. No, I can, I can 100% appreciate that. Now, we've spoken about those various different uh, experiences and influences and people that you've worked with, and that's obviously continued through the majority of your career so far you've mentioned but you have mentioned obviously there's there is neon deity neon deity itself and then mm-hmm. there's also as you mentioned recently you've kind of spent a lot of time working with nicholas recently um is there are you still looking to continue to partner with people regularly or is there some sort of desire to maybe consolidate a little bit and really start to pull th- a few more things into neon deity and work you know be, be a part of a, a team that is working exclusively on our own things for a while. Uh, I, I think in general, like that's kind of like the main goal is it you want to yeah. work on your own stuff, but like at the same time, there's also the reality of, you know, you, you have to have a successful business and, you know, keep pushing with that. And 
I don't know, being able for all of us to make money on a regular basis. So like there's always going to be growing and until we hit that point where we can all fund ourselves essentially, or at least like one or two of us be able to fund ourselves with like a lesser part on our other partners. And then we'll kind of eventually snowball, of course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know, at some point we'll get there, but yeah, there's the reality of you know you got to make money and like at the same time it's you know it's always exciting to work on other projects and stuff like that um more recently i've been trying to slowly whittle down my my list of projects um yeah okay kind of like i was talking before with like my physical burnout and stuff like that uh i gotta be a little bit more careful about not working on you know four or five different things at once (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, ma- managing that burnout, whether it's creatively or physically, is still really important at any at any time. So I can yeah, appreciate exactly. that for sure. So as we start to wind things down, let's cycle a little bit more to you and and some of your, I guess, philosophies and ideas and inspirations. Is there anyone out there that really inspires you and the work you do? It, it's, it's hard to say, like, an individual that inspires me. Yeah, like uh, I, I'm I'm a big uh, like friends person. Like my friends are my family. My friends have always been my family. I've never had a really like a close family life minus like my immediate family. Yes. So like the people I have around me are the people I love essentially, and like you, you get little pieces of all of that kind of thing. Yeah, everyone's positivity or it's sometimes negativity. Yeah, it works both ways. And, like, basically anyone that's, I don't know, helping to push each other and, you know, grow and get better. And, you know, when times are bad, you know, holding each other up and that kind of thing. I, I think that sort of thing is, like, the most important to me. And even there... oh, sorry, working with... Oh, sorry. Um, no, even no, working, right. working with, uh, you know, other people and stuff, like, I, I always consider like being friendly and being friends with people more important than creating games like i i think if you have that sort of rapport and that sort of mindset it it helps to not only foster you know good creativity but also like i don't know a, a positive lifestyle and you're not like just like i don't know you don't get in that realm of oh, I hate going to my day job every day. Which is not something anyone wants regardless of their profession. Yeah, exactly. Is there anyone that... Uh, sorry, I know, I know I'm cycling back to kind of a slightly more individual level there, but is there anyone that you've either worked with or you, you've looked at over the journey that maybe their, their style has been more of an influence than others but, or maybe their approach to their work has been more of an inspiration to, uh, than others? Um... Even if it's maybe just based on the games you consume, and maybe that's kind of there's a there's a through line there of some sort. I think uh, like on the the visual style end, uh, I, I'll always pull back to a lot of like, I guess like eightish bit stuff, like uh, yeah, a, a lot of those sorts of styles like uh, i guess influenced me more than anything uh, a lot of the early like sunsoft and natsume stuff uh I-, I couldn't even tell you whose um whose name is on what game at that point 
Uh, especially because a lot of that is very nebulous and hidden. Yeah, but, not really uh, well documented back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of that was like pseudonames and stuff like that too. Yeah, it's very uh, true. I guess in the, the more recent times, I, I really... I look up to... I want to say like... Uh, do you know uh, Sangmu? I, I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I, I think I know. I think I know the name. He does I, just I like tell you from where, but absolutely beautiful art. I I, I can't even express um, that. Um, uh, Konjak that did uh, Iconoclasts, like his work oh, yeah. is really inspiring to me. Uh, snake pixel that did um owl boy oh these are some fantastic choices yeah um, um i can see how they'd be a huge influence then um i don't know if you know who like iron slash android arts is he does a lot of like i don't know just like dabbly projects and stuff but like his work is always beautiful to me that there's just i don't know it, it's always cool seeing new projects and uh, I think anybody that does a lot of like Debly stuff is always like I don't know you're always seeing the new projects in that which way. is which is always exciting I'm sure yeah yeah so what have been some of the most valuable lessons that you've picked up over the journey so far some of the things you've learned from maybe people you've worked with or just through some of your own experiences what what have been some of those most valuable lessons so far um probably learning from people and learning to treat people as nice as possible uh, like you're always gonna you know end up hurting people or you know having negative experiences here and there and that's always unfortunate like you're never going to avoid that just because humans are humans and we yeah. always have you know differing opinions and stuff like that but like being able to understand people and humanize why everyone's you know trying to push forward and i don't know just treating people nice like that that's really kind of my my biggest mantra and i don't know like i guess just be good to each other yeah and sometimes not even just like oh hey i'm nice to you just like putting yourself forward a little bit and you yeah. know reaching out that olive branch or you know, doing something nice for somebody that didn't even realize that you existed or. I don't know, that, no, that stuff. I, I, just, I do appreciate that. The The human interaction is the most important part to me overall. So being able to do anything like that and, you know, making someone happy, making someone smile. And I guess that rolls into making games in general. Like you want to make people feel, you want to make people have a good time yeah those things kind of go hand in hand so as we wrap things up some kind of curlier less career specific questions uh if you could be credited for any one title that's ever existed so you can retroactively add your name into the credits and claim some degree of responsibility for that title in whatever capacity you might like it could even be as simple as uh special thanks at the end if that's all you needed but uh what game would it be you know it would probably be Monster Party. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, That's a good choice. There, There's something about that game that just, like, 
don't know, it's the right amount of goofy. It's the right amount of like serious and like kind of weird, spooky, scary, like B movie kind of feeling to it. It's just there's something wonderful about it. Uh, that's also one game that I would love to make a sequel to. But I have so, no idea who owns the rights to that these days. Yeah, true. So when, when you talk about uh, when you talk about that particular title, are you talking in like in a more broader role? Would you like to have worked on it in that in in a, I guess a similar sort of role to what you currently work? Um, I I would take any of it any? minus maybe programming because I'm not much of a programmer to yeah, be yeah, honest. But yeah, I, uh, I'd love to touch any of that project. And if you could wipe and replay like wipe your memory of and then replay any one game so you just get to experience it in its most purest fashion all over again what game would it be that's a really hard one yeah i i, I usually the default response is to go with the favorite game but that's not always the case you know what i, I think i'd say undertale Okay. Of all games, uh, there's something special about that game that, like, it it really makes you feel and attached to certain characters, and I don't know how all the mechanics work in with how the whole story pulls in together. There, there's something. It's very clever. the The first experience with that game was just like a series of light bulbs going off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not. For one reason or another, the game just never really clicked with me. But one thing I cannot argue is is how deep it goes and like those systems that are all constantly speaking to one another. And there's just so many little hidden nooks and crannies with that game that you don't you don't really appreciate it at face value. And even just like at base, like the game mechanics and how they work with every character's personality and stuff like that. It's just like it's so well encapsulated. It, yeah, look, it's it's a fantastic title in so many different ways. So I I don't blame you at all for picking that one. So Wayne, thank you very very much for coming on the show and sharing your story so far. Um, if uh, listeners are looking to learn a bit more about what you do and maybe follow out and uh, follow and chat to you, where would they be best to go? Um, probably follow me on Twitter at uh, Wanyodos. Uh, check out our company Neon Deity Games. Uh, we're currently working on a game called Junk Puncher. It's very NES Shatterhand inspired. Um, and it's got a brilliant name. It, we love our goofy pun names. <laughs> uh, next weekend, we're working with the Indie Maker Syndicate on their Maker's Play event, which is kind of like a substitute for some of the MAGFest stuff that didn't happen this year. Yeah. And we'll be showing off the game and all that kind of stuff online. So keep your eye out for that. Uh, follow Lorefinder or Kitsune Tales that I'm working on currently. Uh, I think that's Lots. most of the current stuff that I can talk about. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I, I do even notice like you're not you're not even subtle about it on your Twitter account. They're like, okay, I'm working on this and this and this, and then all these things I can't talk about. So follow because eventually those secret NDA projects uh, will reveal themselves and you realise that Wayne's been working on maybe your next favourite indie. So so go keep your eyes out for those and as as Wayne mentioned, the, the Twitter account's there, so go, go follow and enjoy. There's, there's some really cool stuff that you're putting up there. 
as yeah, I mentioned, and, uh, Blind. Oh, sorry, go. On. I, I was gonna say uh, thank you and thanks everyone for watching. I, I hope you enjoyed the things I've put out and. I don't know. Hope you've all enjoyed your day too. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on the show and and providing uh, sharing your story with the listeners. Uh, I, I was really fascinated just doing the research and listening to the things you had to say today. It's I've really really enjoyed it. So thank you very very much for coming aboard. And thank you again. And good it, luck with everything to come. All these NDA projects and other and obviously the likes of Junk Puncher and things that are still that are public knowledge. Uh, good luck with all of them. Thank you. And listeners, as always, thank you much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Wayne's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.